Hello, my name is Andrew Gary and welcome to Seismic Sound Off, in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. This episode, I am joined by Bill Barkhouse, SEG's Associate Executive Director of Business Development and Geophysics. Bill will share about the founding and future of the SEG Advanced Modeling, or SEAM. Seismic Sound Off wants to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at seg.org or call us at country code 1-918-497-4627 with your comments and ideas for future shows. SEAM is a partnership between industry and SEG designed to advance geophysical science and technology through the construction of subsurface models and generation of synthetic data sets. SEAM Phase 1 started close to 10 years ago with building data sets for marine deep water systems in collaboration with 36 companies. It is currently building a team to move forward on the multidisciplinary integration life of field, which Bill will explain later. On September 15th and 16th, SEAM, in partnership with the Geophysical Society of Houston, will host a workshop using data from this project. More details and tickets at seg.org forward slash podcast. Bill based some of our conversation off a recent presentation. You can follow along with him at seg.org forward slash podcast and turn to slide four. It is not essential to have this slide in front of you, but it will help. I join Bill next. Are the general SEG members in the geophysical community familiar with SEAM? I know a lot of like early on in the SEAM literature, you would talk about how you would compare it to the SEG EAGE SALT model. But at this point, is SEAM and it's what it represents fairly well known to where you just kind of jump into what? Yes, that's an excellent question. I think that SEAM as a brand name is known. What I think that the SEAM volunteers have been less than effective is is explaining what that means. So you have companies engaged in the SEAM project that help fund it, that help that get open access to the data before anyone else, that get yes. to help in influence what you're even going to be doing, you know, in future phases. How does something like that, the, the workshop in September, that I believe is based on SEAM data, yes. it, how does how does that kind of outreach to the geophysical community? That's a very work? important one, because if you will, uh, we have data, the results, if you will, that are kind of one, three states of uh, accessibility. Those in which we receive government funding have to be totally access- accessible uh, as soon as possible. That's one of the requirements of uh, government funding. That's a good news story from an organization such as SEG who shares the same value. We want people to be able to access you know, the knowledge and the information. When companies come into it sometimes, when they focus on the questions area, that's why the consortium models work so effectively, is that it's the people who pay, if you will, for the privilege of determining what problem they're going to focus on. And it's that sharing of the resources, because each of the companies will have technical representatives, they'll have a management company representative, and they're going to determine at that point in time what the questions of the day are that they're going to work towards. And so, but one of the things that they've asked for, which is very classical uh, industry, is they've asked for uh, a two-year period generally, is that when that information comes available, it'll only be available to those people that paid the original uh, subscription, if you will, membership, if you will. And so, so there's a period of time that. What's so exciting about this will be the second historical SEAM workshop. The first one was in 2013, was highly successful. So we had to wait that period of time until that two-year period was finished. Now, I want to ask you to explain slide four in the SEAM presentation, which is available at seg.org forward slash podcast. Bill, please provide us the history and future of SEAM. 
The way to visualize this is to think of a timeline. And it starts at the left-hand side, which we will anchor in the time frame 2007, if you will. And then you would move horizontally you know, to the far right-hand side that we're going to bound at 2015, which was the start of a, another project, but actually present-day 2016. So on the top half of the slide, which eventually I hope many of you will see visually, we're looking at various systems. Okay, So think geology. And geophysics is a term that's a combination of geology and physics. And so, but I'm speaking explicitly now to geology. And there'll be four columns, if you will. The first column would be marine deep water systems as a type of geology. And then sequentially then, in this timeline, starting in the time frame of 2010, or approximately three to four years later than the first major project, land systems. The third column would be special problems, and specifically we're speaking to pore pressure. And what we're particularly excited about that we've been attempting to launch here since uh, 2014, but it's where this has evolved to in this grand challenge of a multidisciplinary integration, what SEG calls the life of field. Well, within these geologic systems, if you will, the specific type of geology we're doing in the marine deep water systems, that first column that I spoke to, are what are called subsalt plays. So this is in the marine environment. There are very specific places in the world, uh, the offshore Gulf of Mexico and the United States. Uh, offshore Brazil would be you know, two rapid examples of where salt as a geologic phenomenon plays a, a very prominent role in terms of how the traps are made, how the reservoirs are, are you know, sealed, you know, all these various uh, geologic methods that uh, ensure a successful hydrocarbon process. In the land systems, we have studied and produced results associated with three Earth models. One's referred to as the unconventional, which was named after Ray Barrett, who had worked on this as a professional from British Petroleum. And within months of the completion of that multi-year project, I think it was up to five, six years, uh, he passed away suddenly. And so uh, his colleagues uh, wanted to, to dedicate the name of this, which is uh, naming in, in scientific fields is, is quite, a, quite an honor. So the second system uh, is the arid near surface. And so for those of us familiar with world geography, this will be characteristic of uh, what we refer to as a carbonate environment or karst environment. Now, here in Oklahoma and, and Texas, we're, we're familiar with these when we go spelunking into the underground uh, caverns and things like this. In the Middle East, this would be the big carbonate fields of the Middle East that are, uh, would be an example. And then there's the foothills model, Earth model. So this would be the third land system model. I mentioned Barrett unconventional. Then I mentioned the arid near surface, and now the foothills model. The foothills model would be similar to like what we see in the in the uh, Rocky Mountains in, in Colorado, or if you went further on out into California, you see the the aspect of uh, of rocks kind of moving up over rocks and turning over in these very high environments. The third column would be special problems. And this was specifically to a very important topic that's called pore pressure and the prediction of pore pressure. And this was, uh, we were encouraged in this by a partnership that we have with uh, an organization that's very well known, it's been around for several decades, known as the Research Program for a Secure America. And they tend to be a clearinghouse for Department of Ener U.S. Department of Energy funds for these types of programs and initiatives. And then the fourth column is this very new project that we did launch in December of 2015, the Multidisciplinary Life of Field, uh, which focuses on reservoir, reservoir characterization and dynamic fluid flow. So I've kind of outlined then the geology. Four of these over this time frame of a decade, 
Um, three of these projects are, are coming to conclusion in the pore pressure this fall in September and the launching of the new one of the multidisciplinary integration life of field. One common trait in the first two columns on the slide, marine deep water systems and land systems, is seismic imaging technology. Could you share the importance of this technology? Being geophysicists, one of our toolkits, which involves many techniques, many tools, a specific one that we're very well known for over our 87, 88 year history, is seismic imaging technology. And it's easy to see from the volume of work and, and, and uh, peer-reviewed archival you know, papers and things like this that this has been a premier tool that's uh, you know, very much favored in our, in our journals. In the land systems, it was a combination now, and here's the building block effect of the seismic imaging technology, but also the notion of unconventional resources, which is a relatively uh, new phenomenon, if you will, more or less in this kind of seven to ten year time frame. And it involves geology now much more in terms of the geologic you know, um, processes and how they're formed and things like this. And the third one, under the special problems that I was just referring to, you know, we've gone one step further. And that when you look at the tools and techniques that are, are presently used in common practice by industry, you know, some of those techniques go back to the 50s, you know, and they haven't evolved um, very much from that. And so what the expectation was of all the parties that came to the group here is we kind of set like a, a foundation in terms of where this state of the art of the technology is presently and can we make any, you know, can we point in any direction that some considerations of uh, uh, techniques or tools of which there are many to choose from but have the most potential for reducing that uncertainty, therefore making this more safe, if you will. And in that case, because of advances that have occurred in the prior decade, the use of a geologic tool, which is referred to as integrated basin modeling, plus rock physics was used, plus geomechanics was used. And so you can see this building block nature in terms of these extra disciplines coming together and being integrated. In a first-order sense, using the same basic physics principles, we can make images of the subsurface. And what we're trying to do is to identify the presence or absence of a fluid. In this case, it could be water, it could be gas, or it could be oil. And then we want to, we want to look where it moves. And that's what this is about. So that's when we have the integrated geology, plus the geophysics, plus the rock physics, plus the geomechanics, plus the reservoir engineering simulation. And so it allows us to cover this full range, and it changes from the prior three models that are kind of static, just like a photo. You take a picture, and you capture that in time, to where now we can do this dynamically. We can see it just like in a video or a movie, how these things are changing in that regard. And so that's the essence of the scene, you know, uh, work and efforts over this. The prestige associated with this is we are recognized on a, on a global, worldwide basis. We've received prestigious awards for our, our work. Um, the very practical business-oriented person would recognize that we've gained you know, recognition through the funding that we have from our companies. Our sister societies recognize this and, and pay us a lot of uh, recognition and appreciation you know, from the American Association of Petroleum Geologists and the Society of Petroleum Engineers. And this Life of Field project is, uh, is clearly one where our technical teams are comprised of um, representatives and volunteers from our sister society, so a full multidisciplinary type effect. Was this the first time that companies had come together? And you know, I, I know in reading the literature on seeing one of the the 
advantages for companies was that they couldn't afford to do this modeling, synthetic modeling on their own. So they could come together as a bunch of organizations and all pitch in to create something beneficial to everyone. Yes. Was this really the first time they had thought that out of the box and come together? I would say the, uh, the, the answer for that actually is, it would be a spectrum. But for the number of companies we had, for example, in the first one on the order of 36 companies, clearly that was the first time to see that many companies. Um, you see consortiums that will have two or three companies, so the concept's been around for some time. But it's the scale of what we do, which is relatively unique, um, both in terms of the modeling, you know, from the business side, the number of entities involved. And we have enough history over a decade's time to be able to see how well that works with a changing commodity price and things like that. When the price of commodity is very high, there's more people that would like to you know, partake in this. When the price of the commodity is real low, it's a much more exclusive uh, you know, type participation. So is in September the second column uh, of land systems going to be rolling out open? Like, Is that sort of a celebration of it now being open? Yes, there will be certain components of it will. Okay. And so this is kind of the jigsaw puzzle a little bit. Well, don't I get to see all the pieces? Well, some of the pieces are going to be left out of the jigsaw puzzle for until their their time expires. Okay. But the the fun sometimes for this is is, uh, is is trying to work the jigsaw puzzle without all the pieces. <laughs> That's part of the draw. And so so there'll be certain portions of it for which that time is involved. There's certain fundamentals, and so you know. But there's definitely we know from a, a knowledge content point of view, there's more available through this than we've had out there in the prior time. The ultimate measurement of that is an academic one. You just you have to do the research and go through and identify all the, all the um, publications and things like that. But what will be even more fun is to see who picks up on some of these things if they'll publish. Now, now what we do know, you know through anecdotal uh, uh, testimonials is that you know, certain organizations will take uh, a concept or something like that and then they'll do it internally. Mm-hmm. Now, we have an example of that uh, uh, in terms of um, uh, in the unconventional area where they had some information available. And so one of the participants, uh, a very global internet integrated oil company, took one of the models and then modified it to study another application, which is a hot buzz topic, and then, and then presented that. Could you explain briefly the kind of data already made available to the public through SEAM? The key thing there in terms of the data are wells. What I mean by a well is that we drill into the earth in order to make measurements of the rock properties and the fluid properties, but we also provide like a straw or an opening into the reservoir from which the fluids and and oil, if you will, is going to come back to the surface. And so we will uh, either, we can take actual well data if we're modeling that particular situation, or we can do a synthetic well. So that'd be one key part. And then for those that really like geophysics and seismic, it's about seeing the seismic data. And so the seismic data would be the other component. And that's what makes these things so powerful, is that um, what we're doing at a, a fraction of the cost is generating the synthetic data, but we're doing it with the same physical constraints and assumptions of the models that we're actually measuring on the Earth. And that's, so you can eliminate, or you can provide a variety of uh, interpretations, and you can choose which ones that you want to focus towards which we can demonstrate with the more history and calibration and control we have, is that you're really kind of eliminating the ones that are going to have the less favorable outcome. That's very powerful. Now, I should mention, one of your questions probed, uh, actually this is very important, is that much of what I've been speaking about is accessible on our SCG website. And so the fastest uh, path to see um, 
information that is very accessible would be www.seg.org forward slash seam. So in addition to subscribing, you can just, a a company or an individual could purchase the seam data set on their own without subscribing. Yeah, Yeah, that's correct. And and so um, uh, in the business model, we want to make it accessible. So so we're just basically trying to recover cost. And and for businesses that are well-established businesses, these are very reasonable costs. Is there still time for companies to get involved in that last life of field problems and oh, yes. influence yeah, the life of field, of that? Yeah, t- the, that's another excellent question. Life of field is basically at its earliest stage right mm-hmm. now. So that, that's wide open. And, um, and so what we know, and, you know, so in, in business times like this, our, our administrators, you know, they, they want the certainty that this is going to happen. And, but what we know clearly from our history is to say it's kind of like a bus. You know, it's the bus isn't going to leave until it gets, you know, just the minimum number of passengers. But once that bus leaves, you've seen this phenomenon. All of a sudden, everybody goes running for the bus because now that they know that the bus is going to leave, they want to be part of that. And we're just starting to see some evidence of that. Part of that ties in with our marketing strategy is that we're doing one last push here before the end of the year, such that if companies sign up for it, they get a little bit of bonus from another project data and they get a slight price discount. Will SEAM have workshops or some kind of presence at the annual meeting in Dallas? Yes. Um, if you recall, in an, uh, uh, I'll call it the, um, uh, the most successful annual meeting structure, is that on the last two days of the annual meeting, uh, there will be research workshops. Our research workshops are far more expansive than just the SEAM program, but uh, SEAM will be involved in three of those workshops this year on poor pressure. Most people don't realize that just a question in a, in a setting can be very instructive in terms of, you know, the penetration of an idea uh, in, its, in its stage of development or, or even its um, global reach in that regard. And that's, again, one of uh, the strengths of our, our, our annual meeting program is, you know, we're, we're that very unique environment of working with ideas on a global basis. And so that's why you see some very interesting people attend an SEG annual meeting. Um, you know, people you wouldn't normally expect, but sometimes they'll be some of the top investors in the world. So, so in, a, in effect there, with the scene modeling then, today what I submit to you is that you need to have some concept of the geology and then some concept of the question that you're asking. In the case of the marine case, we wanted to be able to take, since it's a surface measurement, a geophysical surface measurement, it can be affected by the medium of the water and the, uh, and the geometry of the sediments against the salt face. And so what's been absolutely remarkable, um, you know, through the decades is how focused on that problem uh, the uh, industry's come up with and academia has come up with tools that allow us to get a better image and see the geology. And now we see the fluids. One of the things that where all this is heading, this is an extremely important, uh, this is all heading to what we're calling right now uh, geoscience simulators. And the simulators, in that one term, we really make a linkage, particularly with the younger generations, because they automatically think of uh, gaming. And so, and that's where the technology is converging. And so um, we're prepared, you know, based on the work that we've done over the past decade, we can make a transition to embrace more um, uh, simulation, simulators, make it even more fun for learning. Um, it's never been a better time. What's really interesting on this is that when you get involved in the execution, how do you do these things? Um, you know, the classic ways is that people always want to see the, they want to kick the tires and stuff like that and get in the car, turn on the engine. Well, wait a minute, we haven't designed the car yet. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a little bit different. 
And then you start to get, you know, people that don't want to commit themselves unless, you know, you get this player and that player and oh, about this amount. And so it's all very fluid. Some people are very uncomfortable with that much uncertainty. It'd be like you have no home budget, but you're going to go out and do this and you're going to do that. You know, and most people's experience with that is, is very less than satisfactory. But on the other hand, you know, we're coming up with better and better ways to, to kind of uh, prepare these things and, and, and um, be more effective in communicating in a rapidly changing environment of uh, the value of these things. And then we watch that extremely closely at SCG because the question for us, for the Society of Exploration Geophysics, is whatever we do, is it still relevant? And that's, that's, that's what we're changing. That's what we're engaging very directly in this rapidly changing world. Currently, SEAM is seeking partners for its latest project, Life of Field. Participation in SEAM is open to any organization that would benefit from the technology and the synthetic data sets that evolved from the program. Additional information about becoming a SEAM partner is available at seg.org forward slash SEAM. To learn more about the SEAM workshop on September 15th and 16th in Houston, Texas, in partnership with the Geophysical Society of Houston, see the show notes at seg.org forward slash podcast. You will also find links to the SEAM data available to the public. Subscribe to Seismic Sound Off on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy the show, show your support and please review the podcast on iTunes. It helps others find the show. Season 1 of Seismic Sound Off is sponsored by the SEG Wiki, home to hundreds of biographies of key geoscientists, geophysical tutorials, and core content from the science of applied geophysics. Visit wiki.seg.org to learn how you can grow the world's first online geophysics encyclopedia. This episode was produced by Isaac Farley and me, Andrew Gary. Original music by Zach Bridges. Email us at podcast at seg.org or call us at country code 1-918-497-4627 with your comments and questions. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off signaling off. Hey, you made it all the way through the show. Congratulations. My name is Isaac Farley, SEG Digital Publications Manager. The Society of Exploration Geophysicists, founded in 1930, is a not-for-profit organization committed to providing high-quality educational, networking, and professional development resources to 24,000 members in 126 countries. Wow. To learn how you can become a member, visit seg.org. Thank you.